0: Welcome back to It's an Inside Job podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lim, and this podcast is dedicated to helping you to help yourself and others to become more mentally and emotionally resilient, so you can be better at bouncing back from life's inevitable setbacks. Now, on It's an Inside Job, we decode the science and the stories of resilience into practical advice, skills, and strategies that you can use to impact your life and those around you. Now, thanks for spending some time with me today. With that said, let's start. Welcome back. In this episode I'm gonna be talking about overthinking and actually what it is and how it affects us and what we can do about it. Overthinking is something that we all do. <laughs> if you've got a brain, it's part of what we do, it's how we function. Now we all overthink. You know, that it could be a number, anything that can trigger. Maybe it's a presentation you have to give next week to the department leaders, you know, on a Monday morning. Maybe it's the argument you had with a colleague last week. It got emotional and got you got a little too engaged, a little too passionate about your point. Maybe it was missing your son's recital. Maybe it's the regrets of being late for your daughter's big game and missing her score of the winning goal. You know what? It, it could have been something I said last week, or something that I shouldn't have said, or I should have said last week. You know, it can be anything that triggers overthinking. Now. Most overthinking is relatively harmless. You know, Eventually, something draws our focus and our thinking shifts to something else, the next pretty thing, the next shiny thing. But other times, overthinking can be debilitating. It can actually cripple us psychologically from moving forward. You know, a person finds the entrance to a thought loop and is unable to find an exit. You know, their distress heightens as they go round and round without a destination. It just—it's like a hamster in one of those wheels. They're not going anywhere. This overthinking is called rumination, and it is a dominant system that is both found in anxiety and depression. Now, a person plagued with anxious thoughts—you know—repeatedly plays out every permutation of how a future event will end in disaster. They're worried about the the consequences of crossing a bridge, but they don't even know if that bridge even exists. And so we get wrapped up in these anxious thoughts. Now, on the other hand, the depressed thinker, you know, he or she is haunted by regrets of actions or inactions of their past. And in both cases, people get stuck on what they can't control and influence. Now, just for argument's sake, let's, let's, let's explore the question of, as is, what is rumination? Now, one working thought as to why humans ruminate is that it is meant by our ancestors could learn from unfortunate events. We could avoid similar future events. For our ancestors, you know, rumination was not a mental handicap as it is for us modern humans, per se. They didn't have the luxury of time that we have today. Life demanded they moved on to gather food, to hunt, and take care of the next immediate need. You know, ruminating is, how can I say, is is the brain's way of trying to resolve a problem. It goes over and over, tries to grind through it. The The brain repeatedly approaches the problem without any resolution. It gets stuck. It gets fixated on an ineffective approach. and It only gets worse as the rumination intensifies. Now, ruminating is the inability to shift our perspective to see a problem from a a different angle, from a a different perspective. It's about getting stuck in a negative thinking spiral while wallowing in our negative emotions. You know, unfortunately, it takes a toll on us psychologically as well as physiologically. When we get get stuck in a circle or a, a loop of negative thinking, we put ourselves in a state of physical and emotional stress. And the thing is, if we keep doing it, it becomes habit forming. You know, thinking about something over and over is habit forming, as is, you know, doing anything repeatedly. Over time, we become more skilled at it to the point where we can execute without any conscious effort. This is wonderful if our thoughts are constructive and optimistic in nature, right? But unfortunately, rumination is detrimental to our well-being if left unchecked. Now, rumination actually changes the structure of the brain. Think of it this way. The first time you, you know, you cut across a a, long, uh, a field of long grass, you can look back and see your path through the bent and broken straws. You look back, you can, you can see where you've come through. But the next time you walk the same path, the trail becomes even more pronounced. Now, every time we ruminate, we create what we can call a, a neural trail in our brains. It becomes easier for us to slip into overthinking and to put ourselves in a distressed state. And every time we do it, the threshold drops. It becomes easier and easier. So the more we overthink, the harder it actually becomes for us to stop ourselves from cycling into rumination. Now, countering rumination, how do we counter it? What's, what's the antidote per se? Well, the trick is to actually catch ourselves in the act of overthinking, in the act of ruminating. Countering rumination means we have to be, we need to be present. We need to be in the here and now with our thoughts. Only then can we launch initiatives to stop overthinking in its tracks, to stop it dead in its tracks. Now, let me share with you some actions that have been helpful for many of my clients, myself included. You know, these these actions and such—they're not. I don't want to give you a textbook answer. I don't want to give you book knowledge. What I want to share with you today, as I do in all episodes, future episodes—that's for sure—is I want to give you experience knowledge. You know, as, as I've told you before, I've, I've for twenty years. I've been running my my company, Mind Talk, where I've. I've been working as a sparring partner, as a coach with many different professionals across industries, across branches, all sorts of personalities at different levels of an organization. But what brings it all down to the same denominator is that we're all human beings, regardless of what our focus is. So I want to share some actions with you that you can, uh, that you can implement And if you're a leader, that you can help coach your people. If you're a parent, how you can coach your children. Well, now it's time to shift this episode to talk more about specific concrete actions. Now, there's six actions I want to share with you. Now, action one. This is about changing ruminating thought into a question that can be answered or as a problem that can be solved. For example, let's say I want, I, I'm, my thought running through my head right now is, I can't believe I said something so foolish. I want to change that into a question, a question that I can act on. What can I say differently the next time the situation comes up? You know, sometimes my clients have found it difficult to reshape a problem statement into a form of a question in their minds. Most of us do. This is not a skill that we've practiced before. So one helpful way is to write down the statement and then reword the question beside it. So let me give you some examples. If I have a statement where I'm saying, I can't believe this has happened. Well, then I want to change that into a question. What can I do to prevent it from happening again? Let me give you another example. I don't have good friends. Well, I want to change that into this question. What steps could I take to deepen the friendships I have? And how can I find new ones? So a third statement, as an example, I might say, I'm going to mess up the big presentation next week. So what I want to change it is to a question, again, that I can answer. What part of the presentation am I confident about? What parts do I know well? What parts have I rehearsed? When we focus on questions such as this, these questions are focused on effort, action, what we control and what we influence. And so by taking negative statements and changing them into questions that we can handle, that we can take action on, it slowly builds confidence. And confidence is all about momentum. Once we feel we can control and we have autonomy and agency and there's something we can do about the situations, well, then that shifts our mindset. It shuts down overthinking And then we take one step, two steps, three steps forward. It's that simple, but we just need to be able to answer questions that we can get a handle on. Let's move on to action two. Now, action two, this is very important. It's about being present. It means being in the pilot seat, in the here and now. So next time, I want you to take notice when you feel things are good, when you're mentally in a good place it is in those moments when thinking tends to be clear and constructive. You might feel confident, maybe certain. Maybe you're, you're, you're thinking with clarity and things are, you're quite cognizant of what's going on and you just feel everything is actually in place. When we are there, I want you to stay in the moment and investigate, be curious. Do your future self a favor and write yourself a note of encouragement. Now, the the content of the letter should include the reasons why you feel you're in such a positive state. Ask yourself questions like, what is going on? What is the nature of my thoughts? What am I focusing on that is making me feel so confident at the moment? Why am I feeling this sense of clarity? What is feeding my sense of certainty? What is feeding my confidence? Now, another practical tip is to sometimes pen the letter as if you were writing to a close friend. And what I mean by that is write it in the third person, a third person perspective. So instead of using I and me, for my, for my, myself as an example, I would write the letter to Jason. Hey, Jason, I just want to let you know that this letter that you're reading right now, this is when you were in a good place. And this is what was happening. This is what you were telling yourself. This is how you found distance, in the sense of objective and reflective, being reflective. Now, this letter can can be a lifesaver, because, in the sense that life is hills and valleys. We all know this. Sometimes we're on the, the the hill and we can look out and see the vistas. We can look over our shoulder and see the the valley we just climbed out of. Everything is clear. But at some point, we will head back into another valley. It might not be a deep valley, but a valley nonetheless. And that valley represents our mindset. We may not be in a good place, but when I'm in that valley, I can open that letter that I wrote to myself in the past, and I can look at it. I may be skeptical. I may be critical of where, who I am and what I'm doing. I might be filled with self-doubt, but when I open that letter, I know Regardless of how mentally and emotionally clouded my thinking is, I can open that letter and think, you know what, I wrote this when I was in a good place. I know this is solid. And that could shift me, that one letter. And it may only be three sentences or a single paragraph. But time and time again, as I said, I don't want to tell you our book knowledge. This is experience knowledge. And I've seen this over 20 years. When people do this, that single letter whether it's a few sentences or a couple of paragraphs, that can be the thing that bumps them up to climb up to the next hill. So I want you to think about that. That's action too. Capture the DNA of when you are feeling confident, when you're in a good place. What are the building blocks that allowed me to be here right now? Because that insight can help you the next time you fall into the valley. Now, action three, you know, our thoughts, they float about in our heads, altering from one form into another. They're constantly evolving and changing and morphing. Their very nature makes it hard for us to get a handle on it, to pin them down. This is why I think the action of journaling is extremely helpful. Now, writing out our thoughts down is very cathartic. The act of capturing abstract thoughts and articulating them into concrete words stops rumination in its tracks. You know, our our, our toxic thoughts, they no longer have the chance to slink away and hide in the dark recesses of our minds. They're captured as pixels on our screen or, or ink scratches on a piece of paper, you know, journaling allows us to be present with our thoughts by helping us to shift from a subjective perspective to an objective one, from a reactive mindset into a reflective mindset. And from this vantage point of the objective-reflective perspective, it's much easier to expose the nature of our dysfunctional thinking. When we, when we can download our brain on paper or on a screen, That allows us to see how functional or dysfunctional our thinking and emotions are. And then from that perspective we can re-engineer our thoughts. We can see, actually, yeah, that thought is helpful. That emotion is helpful. But you know what? That thought there, that statement there, that question there, that emotion there, that's really not helping me. It's actually hindering me. In a later episode, I will uh, dedicate a whole episode on journaling or what I like to call expressive writing. It's a brilliant way for us to process emotions and at the same time, you know, put a stop to overthinking. Now let's move on to action four. I live in the Northern Hemisphere where the weather is constantly changing and shifting. You know, one moment it can be overcast and the next moment the clouds can break up and the sun can just pour through and it's a blue sky. Well, the interior of our heads is no different. Each of us has our own internal weather system. And sometimes, you know, our our internal weather system, it's going to feel gray and overcast, especially if we're caught up in ruminative thoughts. You know, rainy weather can only last as long as the pattern of the weather that sustains it. So once the pattern disappears, well, so does the rain. This also applies to our own internal weather. Once a thought pattern dissipates, once it disappears, so does any associated emotions and behaviors. So how do we break up overthinking? How do we break up rumination, this internal weather pattern? Well, for me, I find the fastest and easy way is usually to distract myself. And that could be by playing a game or testing my cognitive skills on some sort of brain uh, training app. Now, these apps just capture my attention. I become so occupied in the game or the brain challenge that I forget to ruminate. After a few minutes, I've noticed my internal weather pattern has changed for the better. And that's the thing with the brain. You know, it can only focus on one thing at a time. As complex as the brain is, it, it, the brain actually is literally the most complex thing we know in the known universe. But it has a simple fact. It can only focus on one thing at a time. So if I'm focusing on a game or I'm focusing on something where I can take action, something that I feel confident about, something I like doing, such as a hobby or a sport or watching Seinfeld, that's going to shift my thinking. My rumination will dissipate. It's not to say that the rumination won't come back, but for that moment, I can change the internal weather pattern in my head. So I feel better about life, about a situation in that moment so let's move on to action five now we know the heart pumps blood the lung pumps oxygen but what we also know now is that the brain pumps survival and ruminating thoughts well they're all about survival these thoughts put the brain into survival lockdown and the body into an f3 response of fight flight or freeze now as a result The bloodstream fills with adrenaline and cortisol, and in a sense, these hormones create a virtual reality where we feel dangers lurking around every corner. Now, in the West, there is rarely any real life dangers, you know, but rather more perceived dangers. That is a threat we believe to exist, even though it doesn't. And herein lies the problem the brain does not make the fine distinction between these two dangers. Between a real and a perceived danger. But regardless, it lumps it all together. The brain lumps all dangers together. And that consequently sets us on edge. So, Action 5 is about gaining perspective. Is there an actual life threatening danger? Probably not. So, the first thing to do is to remind yourself of the brain's survival programming. So literally by saying, you know, when you're feeling anxiety or overwhelm or you're ruminating, whatever it is, by you literally saying, you know what? There goes my brain. It's doing its thing. It's just a pattern. It's a a mental habit. It's not me per se. It's just a habit going off. Now, what happens is this means you don't have to believe every thought in your head. You can actually stop up and by saying that simple sentence to yourself, that puts you into an objective, reflective mode. It actually stops that pattern of rumination, that pattern of overthinking, stops it in its tracks and you shift. It's actually that quick. So the second thing is is that to understand that your negative feelings you're experiencing are due to stress hormones through, swimming through your bloodstream. You know, as we talked about before, these um, these emotions, these mixtures of emotions, which are a mixture of different chemicals, such as hormones and neuromodulators, they can heighten our sense of danger when there is actually no danger present. So when you're feeling anxiety, when you're feeling stress or worry or overwhelm, remember, the emotions are real, and it's okay to feel whatever emotion you are having, but all it is is a chemical cocktail that's swimming through your bloodstream and that combination of chemicals makes you feel a certain way and of course it's going to cloud and filter and how you perceive the world outside you or what's going on but by telling yourself just like the brain oh there goes my brain doing the thing oh these emotions i'm feeling they're legitimate but they will pass it's just chemicals making me feel this way right now now, a third point you can do before Action 5 is physical exercise. It is the ultimate way of dealing with psychological and physiological effects of rumination. Exercise significantly speeds up the purging of stress hormones from our body. What are those? Cortisol and adrenaline. So go for a walk, go for a run, a swim, a bike ride, anything that gets your heart rate up. And you're going to feel so much better about it afterwards. You know, I can have three to four, sometimes five coaching sessions in a day. And when you're helping people with their problems and their challenges and their whatever it is, you know, emotions are infectious and they, they can stick to me. Even as vigilant as I am to use something called cognitive empathy, they still stick with me. And so almost every day, you know, before I see my kids and my wife and I come home, what I'm, I'm out there running. I do my run, you know, I sometimes I hate it because the weather is, is cold and it's icy or it's rain and it's foggy. But you know what? The man who comes back after that run, whether it's 20 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever, I know that man is going to be in a better place for his kids, his wife, and the whole idea of being home. So get some exercise. It really makes a difference. Well, for the final action, action six, now there are going to be times where the first five cognitive tools may not be enough to take on the power of ruminating thoughts. You know, sometimes we will feel that we need to get it off our chest and we need to talk to a trusted friend, colleague, or family member. And a lot of times that will work, but there's going to be those other times we feel those people close to us are actually too close. And then this might be the idea to consider to find a professional that's outside your normal circle of people you know. That might be a coach. It might be a sparring partner. Perhaps it's a therapist or a psychologist. But that professional will have that appropriate distance that you probably feel is what you need. I always think that seeking out professional Help a professional sparring partner or coach or if it's a psychologist or therapist, that's always a a good move. But one caveat is that make sure you do your homework, do a background check, check out the references, make sure that two or three people are giving you the thumbs up with that particular person because finding the right professional can make all the difference Make sure the chemistry there, make sure they have the background, make sure they have the what you're looking for. And it's okay to say no and walk away. I encourage you to do that. If you find the right person, then hold on because that person is like gold. It's like when you find a, a good mechanic, you don't want to lose that good mechanic or a good plumber or a dentist or a doctor. You want to hold on. Any professional, you know, check out their credibility. If they're there, go for it. Well, in conclusion to this episode, I've always subscribed to the idea that we are defined by our actions and not by our thinking. You know, overthinking is about getting bogged down in the mud, losing our traction. Action is about gaining traction and moving forward. Execute on some of the above actions. You may find an action 7 or an 8 or a 9 or 10. Another caveat is that, you know, all these actions that I've talked today, They're only uh, the tip of the iceberg, but none of them are a panacea. You might have to use a combination of them, but when we put them together, they can make a big difference. Even just using one or using that one in combination with others can make a big difference. So you might actually surprise yourself how skilled you are at disarming the trap of overthinking. Well, thank you for joining me this week. I really appreciate it. If you think this is helpful to you, maybe you know someone else who could benefit from it or who might find it of interest. So please, share it with your network. It could make a difference for someone. Well, thanks again for joining me this week. Keep well, keep strong, and we'll speak soon.